0: Welcome to the Ag Knowledge Podcast. I am Whitney Winter. I'm Agnes Kurtzels. And my name is Claire Horning.
1: So for this week's podcast, we're just going to introduce ourselves and tell you about why we're interested in agriculture and why we're at Wayne State College. We'll start with Agnes. Agnes. <laughs> Take it Uh, away, Agnes.
2: Thanks. I'm Agnes Kurtzels. I'm originally from Corridge, Nebraska, which is a small town in Cedar County, which is northeast Nebraska. I grew up on a farm, and I graduated in 2018 from Laurel Concord Corridge High School, and I went into Northeast Community College uh, in Norfolk, where I got an Associates of Animal Science. And then I decided that I wanted to continue my education, and I came here to Wayne to get a degree in agriculture communications and leadership. Can you talk about what, how you were raised? Oh, sure. Um, I grew up um outside of town, about five miles, and we had a goat farm. Uh, eventually, we got a couple of llamas, and we had pigs for a little bit, but uh got rid of them. Now we live closer to town. Still raise goats, have a llama and have some cats and dogs like every farm should. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about you, Claire? So uh, I'm Claire. I'm from Raymond, Nebraska, which is just outside of Lincoln. So I did not live on a farm. I lived on an acreage, sorry to disappoint. A lot of the land around us was farmland. A lot of the families I grew up around were farmers and had livestock and crops and all of that good stuff. So uh, I guess what interested me in agriculture is it's a huge industry and it's definitely an essential industry because obviously we need agriculture in order to feed everyone. So I think it's really important. And I think a lot of people misunderstand it or construe it in a bad light. And I don't think that's necessarily what should happen. So I just am really interested in getting some true facts out there and getting people um, both, you know, urban, rural to kind of come together and celebrate agriculture.
0: Yeah, that kind of goes into my point. I was born and raised on a farm. And I wanted to continue that uh, education of people that Don't know what happens behind the scenes on a farm because I grew up right outside of a small town called Sutton, Nebraska in the southern part of the state. I owned and raised llamas, alpacas. My family had a calf operation of about a couple hundred calves and we bottle fed them until we got into the llama and alpaca field and have been raising them for a while now. We showed through 4-H and competed in FFA and... That's kind of what my love of communication and ag came together was through FFA in high school. I graduated from Sutton Public Schools in 2019. I graduated from Raymond Central in 2019.
2: (laughs) So I'm the old one. (laughs) I'm experienced, kind of. Yeah. That's what you call it. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, uh, it was a community college, so it it was more laid back than here, I would say. But I enjoy it here.
0: Yeah, I do too. There's a there's a quite a few of us that know how agriculture works and only a few of us know how to communicate that and that's that's kind of our intentions with the podcast is to educate the people that don't know what happens in our everyday agricultural lives some misconceptions that people understand and like just kind of debunk some myths well and myths. I think
2: I think really in the agriculture field there's not a lot of people out there that are like willing to if you will put up with certain people in the field that spread the misinformation. And I think a lot of times when you're trying to discuss that topic with people of like, hey, your idea isn't really correct, you get a lot of angry responses. And I think it takes a special someone to avoid the anger, if you will. (laughs) Especially, you know, if someone has an opinion and they Feel that their opinion is correct or, you know, if they have false facts, then obviously you're going to want to protect your integrity, if you will. So I think I think it takes a lot to try Mm. and correct all the information out there, especially in a social media led world, I guess, because it's so easy to just share a post or retweet or
1: make stuff up. Yeah. Just (laughs) out your whim, because some people like to do that. But basically, we're just here to kind of educate the community bring the community closer together and just let ag kind of be the main topic so we can learn about it together because that's what community is all about
2: i guess i wasn't even really expecting to go into radio and then i took radio production classes here and i loved it just the idea that um it's radio right like you don't have to have visuals you can listen to it whenever and you don't have to have a video that goes with it. And just, I've always wanted to advocate for agriculture. Uh, I just kind of fit with radio.
1: See, my interest in communications was more speech communications. I did speech in high school. Um, the FFA events that I did for the two years I did FFA were more like speech or presentation based because I feel like that's one of my strengths. So I just wanted to kind of tie one of my passions into that which is why I chose the ag major.
0: See, I was on the other spectrum. I was through FFA. I went all four years in high school and beyond after I graduated, but I was more into the livestock judging, meats judging, and less per se the communication side of FFA, and I got into journalism here at Wayne State College, and then I noticed that they had an ag major, and it was brand new, and I really wanted to advocate for ag, like Agnes said, and so it just seemed like a perfect fit for me.
2: Yeah, I grew up with FFA. Uh, my older brother was in FFA, so I was kind of exposed to it when I was younger, and I always just wanted to be part of something like that. And FFA was perfect. It's like a big family. I think we can all agree on that.
1: Yeah. I got peer pressured into it by the <laughs> FFA
0: advisor. Oh, Wasn't no. that the best peer pressure situation <laughs> that you endured, though? Uh,
2: in FFA, I I did kind of both. I did livestock judging. I did uh, I did meets judging at 4-H. I did CDEs, LSEs, or now LDEs, I think. Mm I wasn't a big speech person. I'm a real introvert. Uh, I prefer not to speak in front of people, which is podcast, another way you can not be in front of people and talk. But then I got involved in speech. I got peer pressured into that one. uh, So I can kind of relate. And I I liked talking about agriculture. I did informative speech. And I think every time I did a topic, it was on farming or something around the agriculture field. And it was just fun because like the coaches or judges would leave comments and they're like, wow, I didn't even like think about that. And it's like, that's what I'm doing. And I guess that was kind of the early approach into the ag field. That's how you you
0: change the world, Agnes. Right there.
1: (laughs) So outside of Lincoln, I feel like a lot of the people who live in Lincoln think we're kind of the boonies um, because there's like, they would like dump furniture in our like ditches. (laughs) And you be like, where did this even come from? And I know some of my family members that live kind of deep inside of Lincoln don't really venture out or know how to drive on like gravel roads, which is really awesome to us who do that on a daily basis so i think we're just also a goal is to try and kind of bridge the I don't know, cultural gap, I guess you would call it and kind of bring some people who maybe don't know a lot about real life, some more information, not even just about ag itself, but kind of the culture that surrounds it. So they can kind of have an understanding of, you know, a new angle of life or a new view, because I think that's really important to kind of expand your horizons and see how other people live and how other people kind of see the world.
0: We're also going to like you said, the cultural bridge, but also the gender and age bridge, seeing that we're all in our 20s. And most common farmers you think of are uh, 50s, 60s, normally, or even your, you know, great grandpa, 70s, 80s. And they're usually men. So us three women be able to talk about ag is just, I would say, revolutionary. It's a new
2: perspective kind of in itself. Yeah, exactly. You don't really hear about women in agriculture. And really, women are starting to take over in the agriculture field which is perfectly fine but Mm -hmm. you don't hear their perspective very often and i think from our perspective as young women growing up on a farm or growing out on an acreage it can bring a light to how different practices because even we were talking like off radio or whatever me and whitney like we grew up in nebraska but on different ends of the state and it's completely different And I guess with this podcast, that's what we wanted to do was just inform people, reach out to people, even people like in Nebraska, Northeast Nebraska, or on the other side of the country. We just want to inform people what's going on. Like some of our podcasts, I know we want it to be about like current events or just history of agriculture, how we've innovated ourselves to be where we are now. Even mental health. We have a couple podcasts planned for mental health, and we're really excited about that podcast.
0: Exactly, like the historical side of ag intrigues me because my dad collects antique Alice Chalmers tractors and parts. I, I
2: think our dads would get along, so...
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give him his number. Like, hit, hit him up. Like, So I grew up with animals and machinery, so I think I got to see both sides of it. I rode in the combine as uh, a little girl with my great-grandpa, and now I ride in the combine with, uh, you know, the person that just wants to go for a ride yeah exactly like i'm doing nothing this afternoon i'll let's go around in the combine you know
2: yeah uh, well, uh, i grew up with we had older farm equipment we didn't we didn't have a single combine we had a combine that you pulled behind a tractor still gotcha like a two row because we didn't we didn't grow a lot of corn we grew enough to last us through winter with our goats but otherwise like we didn't need a big combine i don't i don't even remember when we first got our like single ride combine but even then it was like small enough you couldn't fit two people in there but like on a tractor you know we wouldn't we it probably would go against not probably it would go against OSHA yeah (laughs) like you ride on the cab or ride on the fender hold on tight or ride in dad's lap this yeah. is why we have OSHA, so people don't get hurt. So
1: please don't follow Agnes' <laughs> advice and definitely use OSHA guidelines to guide your actions so people don't get
0: injured. Yeah. Just a quick
1: disclaimer for you
0: follow the law.
2: Follow, follow the law. Please. Um,
0: we'll talk about the, this later in our podcast about
2: for, farm safety now. For sure. Uh, but you know, farmers, we're not very good about following rules. I think we need that. That's another good topic that we bring up probably later in a different podcast just talking about all the things that could go wrong and do go wrong just because yeah sometimes stuff happens well you're stressed out you're sleep deprived during harvest season and you just make a little mistake and it can it can really change your life it can it can cost you your life too
0: if it's that bad absolutely or cast your hand like we did uh through ffa in my high school we did a whole day of just farm farm safety teaching the elementary kids. just what to look out for um I wish we had done more of the like personal safety and mental health where we did more of the machinery but I know. feel
1: like the mental health though is a recent enough thing that has really just been in the last 5 years that it's really been emphasized and I think the more we look at it the more we'll kind of dive into that and see that it's just important as the you know physical safety is your mental health because that can be just as detrimental as anything physical that could happen to you well
2: and i want to i always feel like mental health is such a taboo topic and i want to change it really shouldn't be though it shouldn't be i feel like on
1: social media and everything people are so open about it that it's made it a lot easier to talk about yeah Mm
0: -hmm. and that with that point but i think with social media it's a whole different spectrum like you can have a social media life and be, like, open with everything. But then in your physical normal life, you're not open about mental health. You might be an advocate online, mm-hmm. but, like, you might not be so much with your day-to-day activities. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good
2: point. Well, and I think with mental health, no one talks about it in the agriculture field. Because I feel like we all, I don't mean this to offend anybody, but we're kind of just a thrown-back generation. I didn't have a phone until I was in... Mm, maybe junior high no I had a flip phone that I had to share with my twin brother I shared it with two other sisters until my junior year when
0: we got our own phone we, we had they, we had minutes if you're texting your family like I need to be picked up from school or something like frequently in the ag business there's something going wrong
2: <laughs> cows getting out
1: cows we... on the road <laughs> cows on the practice football field Oh no. you
2: school oh no <laughs> elaborate please Claire
1: um well we came back from a speech meet one Saturday and for those of you who don't know my school Raymond Central is literally surrounded by cornfields it used to be an old military base so it's got the high barbed wire fences around it it's kind of cool but we came back and there was just a cow chilling out on the practice field and we were like should uh probably call somebody about
0: him <laughs> call up farmer Raymond we got one of your heifers here on the football field We got practice in an hour. She needs to be scooted off. Yeah, we didn't know.
1: We didn't know who, like, it had to have wandered quite a ways, because there's not cows for at least a mile, so he was really lost. (laughs) Was he branded on the hip? You remember? I don't know, because he was out on the practice field, and I was in the parking lot.
2: (laughs) See, branding is weird to me. Really? Like, it's not weird in the sense that people do it, weird in the sense that, I've never seen anyone in northeast Nebraska brand their cattle. See,
0: we have a family brand that we use, but we've most, well, I remember in my childhood, we just pierced their ears with a tag.
2: Yeah, that's what most people do. I feel like that's a lot
0: more common
1: now because I think it's considered to be more humane.
0: Yes, but ours was also a calf operation. So ours was in like a feedlot setting where people who brand are usually in the, uh, they let them out in the pasture. Yeah. that's they wouldn't want to take the time to tag everyone so well, they just brand them
2: like i know it's more common out west like, like a more, more ranch style more yeah. ranch area the, up here is more crop than ranch just because the soil is not i don't want to say not sandy but it's better growing conditions yes, like definitely. sandy loam kind of yeah sandy loam but we don't really have that many like cattle stealing if you will like we have it obviously but not to the extent that out west has i would assume but also, like, yeah, you're usually tagging your cattle now. I mean, people still brand, obviously, but I think tagging has really taken over. It's a lot more
0: popular. Yeah.
2: Well, now you get um, RFID tags, which have, like, a radio signal that they emit so that you can just track them, track em, scan them instead of reading their tag, which has led to a lot more safer protocols, I would say.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of my childhood. We, uh, Since we had the bottle calves, they were babied. And then as they grew up, they would grow horns, of course, and they'd still want to be, you know, petted and be childish. And so they would come towards you not knowing that They're not the small little calf they used to be, but this big, boldy bull there. And you're running for your life, and you hop hop up on the fence without being shish-kebobbed. Like, I was, like, a foot away from being a shish kebab when I was a child. We
2: we used to rent out our cattle yards, because my my dad, before he married my mom, he had cattle. But we rent those out, and the person had a bull there. And I don't know why, me and my older brother went out there. I don't, I'm assuming he just went out there to harass the bull and took me with him. That's when I learned that I was thin enough that I could slip through the cattle, the bars on the cattle gate. So I, the bull started charging the gate, which we were on the other side of the gate. Like, we weren't even in the pen with the bull. And I'm like, I'm out, goodbye. And I just slipped through that cattle panel on my way out. That was, that was, I mean... Traumatic at the time, but now you can look back and laugh at it and realize, like, I wasn't in danger. I wasn't in the same pin with the bull, which they can go through a fence pretty easy enough, but...
0: Yeah, ours wasn't that they could go through a fence, that they would lick off the chain and let themselves out. So we (laughs) ended up padlocking every single gate because they were so smart, and they used their tongues to lick it up, and then they'd move it, and yeah.
2: We had, when we had pigs for that little bit, they would run at that chain until it unhooked and... Like, get back in the pit. I don't want to run you down.
0: Yeah, I've had so many instances. Uh, I grew up on a llama and alpaca farm after we got done with our calf operation. And there'd be just a couple of times that we'd forget to close the small gate, the little (laughs) walking gate. And then they just let themselves out. And then you'd spend the entire afternoon, maybe even to the next day, trying to get them back with
2: grain or alfalfa like...
0: Come back, please.
1: Like the peanut M&M trails
2: for (laughs) E.T. Yes, exactly. We would, would like, use little corn piles or, like, get your corn bucket out and start shaking it. You didn't have to have corn in it as long as it made noise.
0: Exactly. Or, you know, rattle your pliers.
2: Yeah. You
0: guys were
1: talking about fences earlier, and it just reminded me. So, obviously, a lot of people keep horses in electric fences, And when I was little, I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) So I was going to pet the horses that are by my grandma's house, obviously behind the electric fence. I was by myself and I was like, oh, if I put a leaf on the electric fence, that makes it not electric, right? (laughs) So (laughs) I put the leaf on the fence, grabbed the leaf and fell on my bottom.
2: And I was just like, whoa. I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) I I can't tell you how many times I've been shocked by an electric fence. We didn't really use electric fence until... So my family used to have two farms, if you will. We lived on one and the other was just... We either rented out or eventually we used it ourselves. And eventually, tornado took out all of our fences. So we re-put up fences and then we used hot wire because goat is going to respect hot wire better than than a four-foot fence. I'll tell you that. And just... Yeah, you get in shocked every once in a while, remind you that uh, maybe you should be paying attention more.
0: That's why I have trust issues.
1: I know for some sure. people, I know this one guy who could, like, grab on and just hold it. It was, like, it was the craziest thing ever because he, like, lifted it up for us to, like, go exploring somewhere with me and a group oh, of my gosh. friends. He just totally grabbed it with his whole hand and lifted it up while, like, ten of us went through. And I was like, are are you good? Are you okay? <laughs> Is a man of steel or something? I was, oh, I was pretty impressed, but I was like, "Dude, you're well, crazy."
2: We have, especially our fencer, we have it turned all the way up because it it powers. We only have one that powers the entire fence line, Ours and we, too. yeah, and like for goats, you gotta have it pretty hot, otherwise, doesn't affect them at goats all. Goats are wild. You know, I, I, They'll just I'm be gonna be jumping I'm, all over I'm the place. so much uh shade thrown at me. I I prefer goats over sheep. I do too. Oh.
0: Yeah, I in 4 H, <laughs> and when I was younger, we my sisters and I showed uh, dairy goats. So, my favorite was the La Mancha, which, if you look up a La Mancha on the internet, you could see that they have no ears. But they actually do have ears, they're just like little nubs, and they're the best. So. Yeah,
2: I, they are pretty I, cute. <laughs> they are cute. I rate uh, my family raises meat goat, so it's like we have four. Yeah, the smelly have... ones. <laughs> <laughs> all goats are smell. All livestock is smelly. You just have to... Depends how you take care of them. But, uh, so it's, like, boar cross with, like, we have Spanish. We have... We have a couple goats that are part Angora, which is really fun. Um, but since they're crossed, we don't have to shave them or anything. And then we have some Nubian in there. It's kind of just a mixture of, you know, meat goats. No one's really getting them to breed. Pure yeah. Purebred, obviously. Some people sell pure red goats like boars for meat but not us
0: (laughs) yeah i i remember shaving the uh goats before a show and it was always a hot july day we'd spend all day shearing is
2: there a fair that isn't on the hottest weekend i don't know where i come from now that you say that All fairs are the hottest weekends It's like August If if you go to a fair, it's either raining or so hot that you can you can feel the humidity when you breathe.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. But that hair from the goats stuck to you in every other place. It was ridiculous. You could you could take two showers and still find goat hair everywhere. Yeah. Yeah,
2: when we when we would do like vaccinations or anything else with our goats, and you just grab one and you pull your arms away, and you're like, I am now part goat and in itches yeah especially if it rains and then you're like same could be said for like cattle i guess you're not gonna really pick a cow up unless it's a calf i used to work for a neighbor that had sheep that's how i got my sheep experience and my cousins raised sheep but we never helped them with chores because they were far away but we'd help our neighbor he had some bucket calves and feeder cattle too but those sheep man i didn't like them after they grabbed my ponytail Ooh. Oh! He jumped behind a fence behind me and stood up on the fence and grabbed my ponytail. And I'm like, ow. Yeah, oh. Thanks.
0: You know what's also sad is getting your first purple ribbon at a goat show. Putting it in your back pocket because you, you're supposed to oh, take did photos. He, did he eat it? And oh. then the goat eats it. Oh. oh, no.
1: Goats, they, they eat anything. they yeah. try to eat
0: anything. You think it's just the cartoons that they're gonna eat the oh. metal can? They
2: actually do. <laughs> they ac- no. They'll eat everything no, and almost No anything. exaggeration see, there. See, that's, this is why I'm in agriculture communication. Uh, fun fact, if, if I if I can, uh, the goats will eat uh, the, the theory of tin cans is that the paste that they put the label on the can with, oh, like the glue? Yeah, the glue. It, ha- it has like salt in it. Oh. Or it's like you know it's yeah. It's, it's glue. It's you know has everything like sugar everything in it. Uh huh. So that's why.
1: Oh, interesting. You're saying
2: they're just badly
0: treated, so they should had some sugar grain.
2: <laughs> they needed some needed <laughs> well, some extra well, minerals. Well, but you think about it. Go- they had the only reason people had goats was to eat their weeds. Yeah. Or to you know milk. Yeah, so they weren't yeah. like treated the best. I mean, they weren't fed the high quality that went to your horses, that you know you used for work. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's see, what, even I'm learning that, things. That's why. That's why I uh, I look up random information on the internet. Obviously, good sources. <laughs> um, but yeah, that I learned that one because yeah, I kept hearing about like they eat everything. I'm like, Psh. no, they don't. Do they? Do, <laughs> do they? do they? Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cow- I,
2: I always find it interesting though, because like if you think about the different types of animals, right? When you have cows, sheep, goats, they all eat different things. You could put them in the same pasture, and they'll eat different things. Amazing to me, I guess. I don't know, I, like, like a well-rounded world. Yeah, you don't really hear about people putting mixing livestock just because it's not generally. It's not generally a good anything. idea. Well, it's not not that it's not a good idea. It's that, like, um, ruminants can share the same pesticides. Pests? Mm -hmm. Not pesticides. Excuse me. They don't want to spread anything. Yeah, you don't want to, like...
0: Like, a lot of things are spread so quickly, like uh, deer ticks and all the diseases that they carry. Like, say, a tenth of your herd is uh, exposed, then the entire herd is because you have everything confined into one space. Even
1: lice... Or viruses. Or viruses. Like, COVID-19.
0: like COVID 19. No,
1: it works the COVID. same for animals. Viruses are very spreadable and never good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like we with llamas and alpacas, when they go down because they look sick or ill, it's usually a meaning that they don't have long. Because just of how hardy of an animal they are. They don't show
2: signs until it's too late. With my experience, that's like every, like all livestock. All livestock. Because they're uh, obviously they're a prey animal, right? But if they show a weakness, they're gonna be kicked out of the herd. Or targeted. Or targeted. So they're they're gonna hide their illness or they're gonna hide anything that's wrong with them until until it it's yeah until it's almost too late. So having good management over everything in your herd like testing everything, making sure their blood is okay, making sure they have the right minerals and everything. It's really important. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people miss that, um, especially that aren't from around here. They don't realize farmers have to pay attention to their livestock. They're not just neglecting them. They're Some con- people do, obviously. There's always going to be bad if there's good, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, uh, not per se that they are
0: children, but like ranchers, they'll treat their animals and livestock like family because they're that valuable to the person oh, yeah. per se, you know?
2: I would, I, if I came home and I found out, like, a goat died, I would start crying. Mm-hmm. Same.
0: But ours was, we had Flemish giant rabbits. Yeah, there were a lot of times where, just out of nowhere, they would just pass away.
1: Yeah. Speaking of eating anything, I know that was kind of a, a little bit ago, but Whitney brought up chickens, and that's what we always butcher chickens to have, obviously, fresh chicken in our freezer, so... When you're cleaning out the chicken gizzard, there's all the gravel and, like, the gross green stuff. And also there will be, like, feathers because they'll peck at other chickens and eat their feathers. Um, If you feed them snakes, there will be snake bones Mm -hmm. that can scare people if you want to be that vicious prankster. Or rat bones, too. Or rat bones because chickens will eat a lot, too, and they'll just get stuck in their gizzard. I always knew that chickens would, like, go
2: after snake, but I didn't know they ate them.
0: Yeah, my younger sister, she has about 50, I think, now. And if there's a snake in the summer, and they'll chop it in half and then throw it into the pen and the chickens will go wild. Wow. It's like candy to a child. See, I'm not allowed
2: to have chickens. I know my mom's listening to this right now, and it's all my mom's fault. She won't let me have chickens. <laughs> Your I'm mom sorry. Mom is so
0: horrible. <laughs> I think kids should all grow up with at least a pet like And like in the city, it might have to be like a small pet, like a little tiny, like a a fancy rabbit or something and not a commercial one. (laughs) But like even a cat or a dog, like to learn the basics of caring for something. Yeah. The responsibility of caring for another living thing. It just, I think, should be instilled into every single child because then if they can take care of themselves and this other animal, then they'll have better relationships with other people in the future. And it, with not even, like, I would romantic say even, relationships, but, like... I would say like, even
2: empathy. Yeah,
1: yeah I was going to say it also makes them feel, like, more independent and capable and responsible, which is really important for kids to feel. Because I know... A lot of little kids kind of, you know, aren't confident or aren't super maybe extroverted, but they can take pride in that. Yes, I have this animal and I took care of it and we're friends and I like them and I get to show it to all my friends and say how cool it is that I have this pet. And I think that's a really important like bonding thing for kids, because when you talk to a kindergartner, they're going to tell you their name and their age and you're going to ask them like, oh, what? do you have a dog? And they'll go on for like 20 minutes about their dog. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad you like this little dog.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> like, and show and tell in like elementary, I got to take so many of my animals Wait, to uh, show. Which,
2: again, Whitney, we're from small towns.
0: I know. <laughs> I, I, okay. I So I graduated with 32 or 31. I'm not quite sure. Students in my class in 2019. And so I got to do a lot of oddball things considering because I'm in the southern part of Nebraska. So this was a normal thing was bring like your pet animal, which was my my Flemish giant rabbit, which is like two feet long when he lays out to show and tell. And yeah, exactly. Like it just astonished me, like the difference between you and I. We both grew up in Nebraska, small towns on farms.
2: Well, and I brought in like a goat once in a while because a goat's not big. Like we didn't bring in adult ones we'd probably bring like i think the oldest we ever brought was like a year old Mm -hmm. Mm, maybe less than that actually probably 10 months old or so and like obviously that's still smaller than someone bringing a cow in which we when we were younger had gone to like a dairy farm for a tour Mm -hmm. and then we mm, i think yeah we went to two different dairy farms and it was crazy to see the differences between the two dairy farms Mm-hmm. and we did that as well yeah we went to visit a dairy farm and like fed them alfalfa
0: for like their treat so i didn't get to visit a dairy farm but what? near my great grandma's on my mom's side uh we own some land next to a dairy farm and
2: yeah see we live <laughs> we lived next to a dairy farm too i mean next as next to as a farmer can in the country <laughs> yeah, which means about <laughs> which is like two five miles, miles. Yeah. yeah probably i think probably yeah probably five Probably three, I don't know. I'm horrible at
0: distance, what? guys. <laughs> between two and five is a normal close yeah. range for neighbors and farmers to be like mm, you need they're... something you're you're trekking a haul over to yeah. the farm
2: you're you're better luck trying them on the phone, and even that's fifty fifty. I don't know a farmer that hop on the gator and go, <laughs> yeah, I don't know it, oh man, until smartphones came out huge, you know, and everybody had one. I don't know if you could get a hold of a farmer on his phone. See, here's the
0: thing. My uh, great-grandma, my great-grandpa on my mom's side still has a flip phone. Oh, so it, does my dad. He doesn't carry it around, but he has one. He he tries to carry <laughs> it because he goes to coffee every morning for the social, social interactions and gossip and everything like old men do, you know, <laughs> in small towns because, you know, farming and gossips is the only thing they do. Absolutely. <laughs> no, don't quote me on that. They do a lot more but yeah, if well, you're trying to get a hold of town him... Our has
2: three different coffee times. You can drive down Main Street, you look over at the bar and, oh, must be coffee time. And then you'll come back and, oh, must be coffee time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if you're wanting to get a hold of my grandpa, you,
0: you didn't try this flip phone. You called the... CV store and be like, hey, is Mike Bisher there? <laughs> go, yeah, it's go his through, granddaughter. Go
1: through the establishment to find we, who you're looking for. Exactly. We would do that
2: with our dad too. Like if, like we would call his workplace if we needed him for something. We stayed on the farm. Obviously, I don't think we had a babysitter after.
0: We never I, had a babysitter.
2: Well, it wasn't until we were old enough. You, know, I'm and quote unquote like preteens. <sighs> I think we were 12. Don't quote me on that. Um what are we going to do on a farm, you know? Um, you you can't We were do just much. told stay inside, be safe, be smart. That's fair. Yeah. Which, I mean, you had consequences if you didn't follow. And they if weren't the, cons- follow the col- law.
0: And they weren't the consequences like today's children have like we had the wooden spoon and the soap in the mouth. Like, oh, where today it's like, oh, no, like, don't do that. Like, see, we try to do something else that. and, like, defer I them. I never, ever got soap in my mouth because I was a
1: very well-behaved child. Oh, I was Claire, too, should we call but... your mom? No. <laughs> you can call my mom. She will vouch for me. I am the well-behaved one in my family, oh, no. Agnes. Oh, I mean,
2: <laughs> I am too. <laughs> no, Good, I, good I can't joke, Agnes. I'm, oh, ow. No, I can't say I was I think I was that bad. I mean, I I definitely caused trouble, but I nothing horrible, you know.
0: I yeah, see I didn't cause trouble either, but just, just for some reason still. I remember one incident that we had soap in our mouths. I can't remember what the context was, but I know the soap tasted gross. Cuz it was
1: just the little hand threatened. soap. The only thing I ever got was Tabasco sauce on my tongue, Ooh. and I never ever 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 did that that thing that I did
2: again, because that was oh, no. the worst. We've, we were always, you know, threatened, and then we would be putting time out. Yeah, we never had, like, our consequence was, like, you're going outside and cleaning the barn or, you know, go to your room, read a book or something, which, coincidentally, I love to read. Dude, so, you know, my consequence, not really a
1: punishment if you enjoy <laughs> it.
2: My consequence was
0: you can't read. And oh, we shared, no. my, my two sisters and I all shared the same room until high school. And so, you know, that wasn't a consequence, so.
2: Yeah. I, it must not have been that bad. I don't remember really having bad consequences. Other Like, because we didn't have a phone, so you couldn't take our phone away. Exactly, yeah. It was, you're going to sit on the end of that couch and you're not going to talk. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that Just, was punishment
0: at Or not. you went to bed hungry, no supper.
1: I never, I got that I a couple of really times. That. Well, mine was only, though, if I was like complaining about the food surge. My mom was like, if you don't want it, you don't have to eat it. Go to yep, bed. And I'd us. be like, all right, fine. I will watch <laughs> me and then just sassily sashay back to my room. <laughs> I was well behaved, but that doesn't mean I did not have a major attitude. <laughs> she still well, does.
2: Well, I have a twin, so it was a competition. You know that. Even with regular siblings, it's a competition, and uh, it was. We would have some good fights. We got threatened to walk home a couple times. That was another one. (laughs) You you walk home. Yeah, that was. I don't want to walk five miles. That was a threat
0: for us too.
2: Mm -hmm. Or I'll turn this car around. It's like, oops, (laughs)
0: okay. It's that or the slam on the brakes and yeah, hit your head. Oh gosh, ow. disclaimer i love my mom i love everything she's done for me she's made the person i am today but you know there yeah. are some instances i
2: i don't regret anything in my childhood
0: me neither oh well, maybe falling down with two buckets well, of milk flat on my butt mm. in the middle of winter right Gosh. before going to school
2: accidents are different winter <laughs> does
0: that to you yeah i get to live that with my whole life with my last name yeah i get i get to make that whole winter joke forever It never gets old to me, but it seems to get old real quick with
2: everyone else. It's
1: definitely (laughs) gotten old to me, and it's been, like, a half hour. I still love you, though, Whitney. I love (laughs) you, too. Thanks.
2: Well, I guess next week we were going to talk more about the Wayne Communications Program Mm -hmm. and the clubs they offer. I know Claire and Whitney are both officers, right? Yes. And the ACT Club, which is Agriculture... It's Agricultural Communicators of Tomorrow, Tomorrow, or
0: ACT as we call it for short... I'm the vice president, and Claire is the president of the club. Yep. Our advisors
1: are Deb Witt and Liz Vile, and I think we're going to have them on next week to chat with everyone about kind of what our clubs are about and what different, like,
0: programs we offer at
1: Wayne State College as well.
0: Deb will be talking about more of the chapter and the involvement on campus and in the community, and Liz will be talking more about the agricultural communications major that we we all have, I guess we didn't really mention that at the beginning. Yeah, we all um, are.
2: We, we all com have, majors.
0: Yeah. I am double majoring, so I also have journalism.
1: Um, I'm also a double major. My first major is ad com, and my second, as I mentioned earlier, is speech communications.
2: I'm not double majoring. You know, props to you guys because I I did twenty credit hours at Northeast, and that was a lot for me and I know you guys are doing double majors so you're mixing classes and everything trying to fit it in your schedules
0: I've never done anything less than I think 16 credit hours in all the semesters I'm here at Wayne so that's saying a lot and I took one or two 400 level or 300 level classes my first semester as a freshman here.
1: Alright so thanks for listening we hope you tune in next week as well
0: Thank you for tuning in to Ag Knowledge this podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as part of radio production here at Wayne State College. Other episodes can be found on thecat.wsc.edu or on KWC 919 The Cat. Our regular podcast will be aired on the radio station Thursdays at 6 p.m. So tune in for more Ag Knowledge. And as of now, we are not sure when our podcast will be published, but it will be published soon on spotify so and you can find you it can, there as well you can find that using the link thecat.wsc.edu music is solo acoustic guitar by Justin shaw found on freemusicarchive.org the song was edited for the use of this podcast